Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Want to say welcome to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. And I really am sorry for your need to be here to have a reason to listen, but I am glad that you found us. Today we're going to be talking about an interesting topic about our emotional breakdown, about our soul. And this series, I'm calling it The Road to Repair because we're going to be talking about our body, our soul, and our spirit. We are three-part beings. And the way I like to say it is that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in our bodies. There are three separate parts of us. And what I mean by that is our spirit is the part of us that connects with God. God is a spirit. He breathed his spirit in human beings, and we are a spirit. And it's our spirit that can transcend this natural realm and communicate with God and other things spiritually. And obviously, our spirit goes on forever. Our spirit is part of us that is eternal. Our soul is the part of us that is our mind, our will, and our emotions, our minds, our thoughts, our wills, uh, you know, I, I will do this, I won't do that kind of a thing, and our emotions, and then our body, our physical part of us. So we are body, soul, and spirit. And like I said today, I want to specifically talk about our soul, the emotional part of us and what happens after the death of our child. Obviously, we go into emotional turmoil and some of the things that cause this, obviously, we want our child back. We want to quit hurting, but sometimes we equate that hurt with remembering our child. We don't want others to forget our child. No one around us understands the pain and the darkness that we're in. We're afraid of getting further away from our child and starting to lose memories of them. And I want to talk about a few specific areas that we can work on to take a few steps out of this emotional turmoil that we all find ourselves in. And first of all, we need to believe that there is hope. Because when we have no hope, we have no desire to live. And if you're a Christian, you have Christ inside of you, which means that you have the seed of hope inside of you. And that's one of the things that at the very very beginning when Becca died, I knew I had the seed of hope in me. And somewhere there had to be this hope I needed to water and nurture and figure out how to do that. We know the enemy is out to steal from us and kill us. And if he can't do it physically, he's going to do it emotionally. And when our child dies, we have the biggest red target on us for the enemy to do exactly that. He steals our hope, leaving us wanting to die, to go be with our child. That's how I felt, and so many parents I talked to feel the same way. Even if we have other children, a wonderful marriage, we had a life of purpose and passion before our child's death, it all comes crashing down, and we're left in a world of darkness and hopelessness. But the death of our child did not blindside God like it might have done to us, like it pretty much did to all of us, even though we may have had a child that was ill, even terminally ill. 
we still held on to that hope that God would do a miracle, right, and heal our child. I know that's what it was for me with, with our daughter, Becca. So we may have been blindsided. Uh, we were blindsided, all of us, I believe, with the death of our child. But that doesn't mean we have to stay a slave, chained to our prison of darkness with no hope, because Jesus came to break every chain that could ever try to keep us bound, and he will carry us through this valley of death back into a place of hope. You know, one of the things that happened to me, it was a time when I I feel like I turned a corner when I started seeing that hope for me. I was standing in the cemetery where Becca was buried, and I spent a lot of time there at the beginning, the first few months. And I would walk around the cemetery a lot of times and just look at the tombstones and who else was buried there. And I remember one time standing at her grave and looking out at the cemetery and all these tombstones and all these people who had been buried there. And I knew some of them were younger than Becca. She was 29 when she passed. I knew there were children buried there, teenagers buried there. I knew that there was one in, in, in his 40s, but I knew the family was real close to Becca buried there. And I, just looking out at all of these tombstones and thinking somehow, somehow these families made it through. And if these families can make it through that have someone buried here, then somehow I can make it through. Hope began to rise up in me because of that very thought that I believe God put in me. And it helped me turn a corner to believe that I could have my own hope. The whole thing of emotional turmoil and breakdown, there are a lot of tears for most of us. And you need to know that it's okay to cry and to have grief attacks. It's normal. I didn't know that. I felt like as a Christian, I should be getting the victory over this. I should I should be better than this. I shouldn't be letting this take me under all the time like this. I didn't understand that this was normal grief. It's pretty rare to just be able to snap out of it and rise above it in victory when your child dies. Tears are a gift from God to bring healing to our emotions. And not only are they healing, but God keeps an account of them. I believe there's going to be something extra for those of us who have gone through such deep suffering. Now, why do I say that? Well, David cries out to God in the Bible, you have seen me tossing and turning through the night. You have collected all my tears and preserved them in your bottle. You have recorded every one in your book. That comes from Psalm 56. And if God puts our tears in a bottle, I think we're going to have some of the biggest bottles in heaven, don't you? David talks about how you've seen me tossing and turning through the night and you've collected my tears. I believe that God has something special for us. And, and there are other, other reasons in other scriptures too that I'm not going to go into right now. One thing I want to share with you right now, though, is just this past week, I was in just a, a prayer time with the Lord. And I was I was talking to him about some of these things that, that we struggle with, with the death of our child. And I suddenly saw in my mind, a picture in my mind, and some Christians will call it a vision, but I saw a picture of a form of a man, and I knew that was Jesus. I just knew who I was seeing was Jesus. He was sitting at a potter's wheel, and he was forming the clay. But the thing was, it was his tears is what was wetting the clay. I, I, it was just such a picture to me of 
Jesus's tears being what was wetting that clay to form it. And it just spoke volumes to me about how he is with us and and just he he feels the pain with us and no we don't know why and these are questions we can't answer this side of eternity but we do know that he's with us and we do know that he's hurting with us and i've heard it said i don't know if i'll, I'll say this right but that sometimes god allows something he hates to bring in something he loves and we we don't know what is behind all of this but we do know that tears are important to God, and it's okay if we find ourselves constantly crying. And that that vision just really spoke to me. And one last thing I want to say about crying, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. And he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? But he wept. And I feel like enough said, mic drop, right? (laughs) So it's going to happen to us for the rest of our lives. We're going to have times where we just fall apart, we're emotional, we cry, because our tears are liquid love spilling from our souls. We still love our child. That that love will never end, and, and there's nowhere for it to go right now. And so it comes out as liquid love in our tears. Let's talk a little bit about a support system. When a baby's born, we celebrate for weeks gifts and cards and excitement and people want to see the baby and and it's it just goes on and on it seems like for months but when someone dies when our child dies after the funeral those who gave the condolences after just a few weeks they go back to life as normal but most of us find ourselves very very alone it's so totally different than when a child comes into the world We just feel very ignored and lost and alone. And I want to tell you, don't isolate yourself. Don't purposely, try not to purposely isolate yourself because we all need one or two people who will let us be sad and who will not put us on a timetable for our grief. And if you don't have someone like that, I encourage you to pray them into your life. Now, I want to give a real quick warning. Misery loves company. And you're not going to get better if you hang out with those who are in the same pit of darkness and want to stay there. I know when Becca first died, I had a hard time. I didn't know anyone who'd lost a child. And as I tried to read books or connect to, I was finding like face group books or pages sometimes. And it just seemed so dark. And it just seemed like everybody was just, oh, yeah, life will always be horrible. And and it would just sucked me under even more. And I don't want that to happen to you. We can choose to remain a victim. We do get to a point at first that grief just overtakes us and that darkness is there and we can't find our way out. But after a while, and it takes months, I'm talking when I say a while, I'm talking months, but uh, some people weeks, but most people, most of us months, But we get to a point where we do find ourselves starting to make choices. And we can choose when we get to that point to remain a victim and let being the parent of a child who's died become our identity. That's a choice we can make. And I I remember when Becca first died, I would want to introduce myself if I met somebody. It's like, hi, I'm Laura Deal. My daughter died. (laughs) Because it is our identity. Our children are our identity. And I understand that. But we can't stay in that place. We need to 
choose not to be a victim of that. And we can tell when we've turned that corner and gone from the true grief when we're not wanting to let that be our identity, when we don't have that as a thought behind who we are, you know, and my child died. Some people go for counseling. And I know a lot of parents that I talk to say a lot of times it doesn't help. Some parents it does. But a lot of parents find that going to counseling isn't what helps them because we don't need to be analyzed. We know what's wrong. We need comfort and hope from someone who has been where we are. And so for most grieving parents, the support groups for parents who have lost a child is what helps the most in this emotional turmoil. Now, I know a lot of times there's trauma behind it. There's PTSD, depending on the situation of your child. And I am not saying don't go for counseling, especially if you feel like you need it. But if you go and it just doesn't seem to be what you're looking for, I really encourage you to do everything you can to connect with other parents who've been right where you are, because a lot of times that's what moves us forward and helps us get out of that dark, dark pit that we find ourselves thrown into. There's this whole issue of fear, too, that causes this emotional turmoil in us. As a grieving parent, we have fears that we didn't have before. I sure did. I have a coloring book that I put together, one of, one of the books I've done, and it has 42 words for grieving parents about the emotions that we go through. And it's uh, there's a page to color and a journaling prompt because they tell us all the time you should journal, it'll help you, and it does help you. But a lot of times we feel like, I don't know what I would write. So this book, it gives you a journaling prompt and a little something about that word in the scripture. But the, the point here is that I color in my own book. And... The page on fear is the first page that I colored in this coloring book. And the journaling prompt says, my greatest fear is, and I wrote that I will lose another child. Because I feel like once you know you've lost one, you know it can happen to you, and you know it can happen again. And that's a fear that I fight a lot. We know that fear brings torment. And as parents grieving the earthly loss of our child, it's easy to feel the full weight of this torment. There's the fear of our child not being saved and being in heaven. That's a huge fear for a lot of parents. And I'm not going to talk about that here. But if you find episode 18 with Pastor Lynn Breeden, we specifically talk about, I, I'm afraid my child's not in heaven. Listen, find that episode 18 and listen to it, please, if that is one of your fears that you struggle with. If we are afraid of something, it means that thing has more power over us than we do over it. So if we're afraid to face the pain of our grief and to work our way through it, our fear is going to continue to control us. And fear, we know, is not from God. God's perfect love casts out fear. And yes, his love is perfect. Uh, we'll talk about that in the episode about our spirit in this series that we're doing. And I've talked about it in previous episodes. So you can look around for where we've talked about God in our situation of the death of our child. We have to have a shift in how we see God. And we either fear that God isn't big enough, or we have faith that he is more than enough. I want to say that again. 
we either fear that God isn't big enough to get us through this, or we have faith that he is more than enough. And we need to make a shift from fear to faith. Well, how do we do that? Some parents are helped by the realization that their child isn't really gone permanently. They're gone from this earth, yes, but they're simply absent from us. To be absent here is to be present with the Lord, right? And so it's a, I know it's painful. I don't, I'm not discounting that at all. But sometimes it helps when we think about we will see them again. This is a temporary absent. I can either focus on my personal loss, that my child is permanently absent from this earth, or I can focus on the fact that my child is absent from this earth, but present with the Lord, like I said. And even though the pain is intense, I will meet up with my child again in our eternal home, never to be separated again. Another thing that can be helpful with our fears is reading the book of Psalms in the Bible, like the scripture that I read about the tears in the bottle. Over and over again in the book of Psalms, the writer cries out for help from a very dark place of despair, and God responds by being a rock and a refuge and help in times of need. I know lately I have really been meditating in Psalm 143. So if you want to find a psalm to look at, look at Psalm 143, but so many of them are good because he comes from that place of darkness that we can really relate to. And I want to encourage you not to hide from your fears or pretend like they're not there. You need to admit those things, these fears, so that you can give them to God and let him work with you at being set free. Fear and anxiety come from the enemy of your soul. When you take these feelings to God, it's a way of affirming your trust in him, regardless of how you feel. That's important. And if you do this persistently, those tormenting feelings of fear will eventually lose their hold on you, and you'll find your feelings lining up with faith. Did you realize that fear and faith require the same emotion? They come from the same place, the same root, and that is our belief in the unknown. Think about it. Fear is how we feel emotionally and how we think about the unknown future. Faith is also resting in God in the unknown future. So we actually get to choose which one we're going to believe in, which unknown are you going to believe in and act on? Are you going to believe and act on the fear of the unknown or the faith in the unknown? And one of the ways we can do that is to start to change our words and our thoughts. Now, I'm going to say something here. Follow me here. Your beliefs drive your thoughts, and your thoughts drive your emotions, and your emotions drive your actions. Okay, so let's back this up again. Your beliefs drive your thoughts, your thoughts drive your emotions, and your emotions drive your actions. So if you believe that staying in your pain will keep the memory of your child alive, then you're going to continue in that emotional state of despair and not be able to live a life of peace and hope and fullness. That includes walking out your God-ordained destiny that you still have. Yes, you still have a destiny and a purpose, which includes honoring the life of your child. You are the one 
to create a legacy for your son or your daughter. And if you don't do it, who will? When you know that others have gotten past that awful darkness and pain, it causes a spark of hope that you can get past it too, just like my moment of hope at the cemetery. And we need to ask ourselves, do I no longer believe that God is good because he allowed such a horrible thing to happen to me and my child? Now, first of all, your child probably doesn't think what happened to them is a horrible thing, okay? They are in heaven. They are with God. They are whole and healed and no more pain and no more tears. And yes, I'm sure they miss us horribly. But I, I, I really think that when we think this through, our child doesn't think what happened to them was horrible because they are in a good, good, good place right now. And instead of asking, why me? Why did it happen to me? We can also turn that around and ask, why not me? What makes me think that I'm so special that I shouldn't have anything like this happen to me while I'm here on earth? You know, God is not a magic genie in a lamp that we can just rub and get our wishes from. That If we just do everything, we read the right scriptures, we say the right things, we go to church every Sunday, you know, we pay our tithes, we pray every day, read our Bibles every day. It's, it's not a formula. And it, it, God isn't this genie in a lamp that we can just rub it and he'll pop out and say, your wish is my command, because then he's no longer big enough to be God. If I can make him do what I want him to do, so we have to understand that God is so much bigger, and I need him to be bigger. I need him to be bigger than my being able to tell him what I want, and he just does it. I have chosen personally not to change my thoughts and beliefs on who God is just because I did not get a prayer answered the way I want him to, no matter how painful it has been. Think about this. Believing a lie is just as powerful as believing the truth. So how do you know if you're believing a lie or the truth? Well, because the truth will set you free. If you're believing a lie, you're going to continue in turmoil and torment. But if you believe the truth, you are going to begin to be set free. The only powers great enough to keep me from living out my kingdom inheritance here on earth are lies and deception. And it's the same for you. What is the biggest danger if you refuse to fight for coming out of this place of darkness? And it is a fight. Well, if you refuse to work through the pain of your grief, you will become an angry, bitter person. You're going to be full of poison that you spew out on others for the rest of your life and the rest of their lives. And what's the alternative? Well, it would be to touch other lives deeply with compassion, bringing other parents out of their darkness, maybe. It, not just existing in a shell, not just holding on day to day trying to survive, but to get to the point of thriving again in every area of your life, emotionally, relationships, ministry, whatever is in your life to do. And this is not only going to affect you directly, but it will have a ripple effect which is the legacy of love left for others, not of defeat with no purpose in life except waiting to die. See, it works both ways, leaving a legacy of bitterness that will ripple through others when you're gone and united with your child, or leaving a legacy of love that is going to be a representation of your child and a legacy for your child and affect those around you. 
So what can we do when we feel stuck in our deep grief and that intense pain and the darkness? When we want to just stop hurting so badly, but we don't want to lose the memory of our child. One of the best solutions that I have found is to find ways to honor the life of your child that helps others remember them and know that they are missed and still loved. Some of the specific things maybe that you can do in finding a way to honor your child may be something like having a yearly bolathon to raise money for a charitable cause, something that's related to the life of your child or maybe the way he or she died, getting a, a big group of family and friends to go yearly to a major sporting event on a meaningful day to around that time, something that your child liked to do, get a big group of you together and go do it. How about paying to have a, a park bench with his or her name on it at a local public garden or a trail? There are so many, many, many things you can do to honor the life of your child and to live in a, a loving legacy for them. We actually have a, a list of 10 ways that you can honor the life of your child, just some thoughts and ideas. If you're interested in that, there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Grief is a process we must work through. And yes, it causes so much emotional turmoil, but we don't have to stay in that place. And we're going to come in and out of that for the rest of our lives. But the more we walk in this, then the further apart that becomes, and the less deep we go into that turmoil when when it does hit us. And it is, like I said, it's a process, and it's something we have to work through, and it's something that we have to travel through before we can rise above it. Well, I hope this has helped in some way dealing with the emotional breakdown we have after the death of our child, and I pray that the seed of hope has been planted in your heart if that's an area you're struggling with to know that it is possible to live without the intense pain you're feeling right now. We often don't realize how much our physical health greatly affects our emotional well-being. We can feel like a hamster running on the wheel, trying but not getting anywhere because everything is so intertwined, our, our bodies and our souls and our spirits. My father-in-law has been known to say sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is get some sleep, and I agree. On the next podcast, we're going to be talking about the physical breakdown and how we can get off of this wheel and take steps to build ourselves back up in that area of our lives, our bodies. So I hope you join us next week. It is time for the birthday segment. And this week, we don't have any birthdays to announce. So I thought it might be nice to let the song that usually plays in the background just kind of play through and maybe you want to close your eyes and just listen to it and I just hope and pray that it will bless you. First time I held you in my arms I knew you were a treasure My heart was overwhelmed with joy My love it had no measure I remember and bond we shared I could already see 
If you would like me to announce the day that your child was born here on the podcast, the week of his or her birthday, just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays and submit the information, and I would be honored to announce your child with the listeners. This will probably be the last time I'll be sharing about our October retreat. It's coming up quickly. It's where a very small group of parents in a beautiful log cabin setting in the Midwest. For more information on that, you can go to gpshope.org retreat, or we'll have the link to that in the show notes. And please don't forget to rate the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. Give us a quick review because the more reviews and ratings we have, the more it rises up to the top for other parents who are looking for this type of a podcast and something to hold on to, something to give them hope the way it's giving you hope. So please go ahead and uh, hop over there and give us a, a review and a rating. Be sure to check the show notes for any of the links I have mentioned. They'll be there. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org and hit the podcast button. And this is episode 22. And last thing, I just want to make sure you remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.